0: Now, without further ado, this episode of the Daily Reprieve.
1: Well, it's for reco- uh, recovering sex addict. Um, I'm really humbled by the crowd tonight. I hope uh, you get some good a- ESH out of this. I purposely did not prepare. I'm gonna let God speak through me, and I hope it's uh, a good message. I'll start quickly with my story, Um, I can recall as early as uh, four or five having some kind of sexual thoughts and uh, when I was about nine years old, ten years old, I was molested and uh, I was actively acting out since then, I uh, did not stop acting out till I came into the rooms at the age of 64. So you guys do the math. Um, I uh, was uh, acting out with the the molester uh, for about three years. I was molested at least another three or four times over the course of uh, uh, my early adolescence, I would say. But when I was... uh, Right before thirteen, we moved to a hotel, and for me that was uh, heaven because uh, my father was the manager. I had the master key, and uh, I was able to uh, find people and uh, be able to act out. Uh, It made no difference at that time. You know, as long as I got made fix, whether it was uh, a woman or a man male, female made no difference to me as long as I was able to act out and get my fix. And, uh, this went on uh, till my late teens and I discovered the wonderful world of, uh, Manhattan, Times Square, especially and other places. And I used to go there constantly just to be able to act out and, uh, I never really thought my life was unmanageable. Uh, I was uh, like many others in the room. I was living a double life. I was uh, full-time studying. And uh, I just thought I had a little problem. But otherwise, I was a good person. I was uh, doing what I was supposed to do. I made uh, my uh, study sessions usually. And in between, I would uh, go act out or after the night session I would act out and uh I trained myself to live on thirty four hours night's sleep so I could be up the next morning functioning. And uh that that worked for many, many years. I also thought when I got married uh I would stop acting out and that lasted about uh a week or two and I was right back out there. Uh you know, shameful to say I was so addicted to acting out that when my second child was born, we were up in the mountains. My wife had gone in to have the baby because it was supposed to be due 10 days later. And that night I got a phone call that I should come back to the, to the, to the city because uh, she's uh, on the way to the hospital. And uh, I I spent the whole day taking care of my older child, visiting my wife, doing, doing what I was supposed to be doing. But on the way back to the mountains, I uh, stopped uh, in Manhattan, and I acted out to uh, all, uh, you know, all hours. I I think I got back like uh, 5 o'clock in the morning. And it's painful, and it wasn't the only time I did things like that. When I was supposed to be at one place, I uh, was busy acting out at... Uh, My life uh, was uh, really, really, not that I realized it, but it was really unmanageable and I was completely powerless over acting out. No matter what I tried, whether it was uh, fasting every Monday and Thursday for a while, or paying a certain amount of money for charity in order not to act out, or every time I acted out. So it cost me money, so uh, I added it to the list in my mind, obviously that that's the cost of acting out i'll pay the charity and hopefully i won't act out but if i do so will cost me a little extra i uh spent was probably hundreds of thousands of dollars in acting out uh even when i you know started working already and uh you know, the first few years, I, I, the you know, family wasn't so big. I was making a decent salary. I was able to work things out. And then as the family got bigger, money got tighter. And uh, especially the last years, my, my it wasn't for my wife being a good money manager. Most probably would have been out of the street. We'd have lost the house and everything. But she, she managed somehow to pull it all together and be able to keep paying the bills. You know, uh, electricity was never shut off. The gas was never shut off, etc. But, uh, when I look back at how much money I wasted on acting out, it's, it's just mind boggling at times. And this went on for many years and, uh, but it wasn't only the acting out. I was, uh, extremely irritable. I was, uh, uh, a terrible rageaholic. Anything could set me off. So, uh, looking back, I can see sometimes how the children cringed when they tried to ask me something, because if they didn't ask in the right way, they were afraid that I would just fly off the handle. My wife was scared to talk to me at times, and and things like that. And. This went on for a long time. And over the years, my wife kept saying to me, maybe you want to go see somebody. And I said, there's nothing wrong with me. It's, it's you. It's your fault. And, uh, same thing with, with jobs. I would have a job for a few years. And obviously I would lose it because of my, sometimes my attitude or, uh, not always giving it my all because I was too busy acting at times. And, uh, But it was never my fault that I lost the job. It was always uh, the boss's fault. Or somebody else in the job uh, talked against me, etc. And uh, this this kept going on and on and on. And then I uh, got myself uh, a smartphone. And it really took off the whole acting out. I was able to go on dating sites. I was able to meet people much easier. And so on. And uh, I used to be very, very meticulous of erasing my history every single day. And one day I came home very tired, and I obviously forgot to erase some of my history. And somebody looked at my phone. And uh, I was working then a, a job, a seasonal job, and I was putting in 14 to 16 hours a day some days. No, no less than 14 Sometimes it went up to sixteen. And one day, my wife called me, and she asked me, "What do you want for supper?" And suddenly, a bunch of red flags went up. I did not remember the last time my wife asked me what I wanted for supper. And uh, I just told her very nicely. Please, it just surprised me. I actually came home, and the table was completely set for the both of us I only had one child at home still then and he was away at school and uh, again the red flags went up something is going on over here and we eating and my wife suddenly turned to me said would you like to go see a rabbi I don't know what it was but something in me finally finally broke and uh, I said okay we'll go discuss whatever it is. I uh, had an inkling of what you wanted, but you wouldn't specify it. And we, we had an appointment for the following Sunday, and we went to Borough Park, and we pull up to this house, and uh, there's no sign for a rabbi, there's no sign something like business consultant, or whatever the words were, and I'm sitting in the car, and uh, I turned to my wife, I said, are you pulling me into a lawyer? And she said, no, she's not. Uh, I asked her again, is this a lawyer? Because if it is, here are the car keys. Rimbar are Park. It's a place where I can find a ride. You can drive the car back to Lakewood. I'm going to go find myself a ride back to Lakewood. And uh, that's the end of meeting these people. And she really asked me very nicely, pleadingly, that just come in and it was actually a rabbi. And we were talking and uh, some of the porn my wife found was male porn. And she said to him that my husband is gay. And he answered, no, he's not. He's a sex addict. And that was the actual first time I heard the word in the, in the context of another, I once saw it in a in the show. They used the word, and I thought it was a made-up thing. But uh, he actually, and he explained what it was. And uh, uh, he told us he has one BD, The rest is not by phone. We went back home, and uh, my wife already had known for four months before she confronted me and she did a lot of research till she found this rabbi and she found uh SA and Essanon and uh, she joined Essanon and I told her that if I'm working there's no way I can join some kind of group I didn't know how SA worked exactly but I said there's no time in the day for me to take off time for meetings and uh I held out for four months, and after, after the Passover holiday, she uh, says to me one day that do you want to go to JSS, and she, she explained to you what JSS was, and I said, if you want to go, I want to go. She said, if you want to go to JSS, you have to go to three meetings before you can go to JSS and uh, she uh, had taken three names of people that were close to my age that I would feel comfortable with and close to my age meant they were in their 40s so there still was a 20 year gap between me and anyone i was calling i called the first two they didn't pick up the third one picked up and uh i'm going to thank them publicly which i've never really d- done before but uh Yossier picked up the phone And uh, he obviously was expecting my phone call. I explained who I was. And uh, he took me to a Beachwood meeting, uh, which was on a Tuesday. The next night, he took me to a, a Metuchen meeting. And after the Metuchen meeting, I told him that, you know, you don't have to give up your nights for this. I can manage to find my way to Beachwood and I'll walk into the meeting. I don't know if it was for service or he was afraid that I would uh, bail. He says, no, we'll meet, we'll go together. And I went uh, to the second Beachwood meeting and uh, after the meeting, we were talking outside and he, he started talking to me about a sponsor and actually get a sponsor, whatever. And uh, I was resistant and, but he talked me into it. I went back into the meeting to ask the leader if he knows of a temporary sponsor. And lo and behold, my sponsor had just told him that he was looking for a sponsee. And, C H, who was my sponsor. We, we spoke for a few minutes. The next day we went to Starbucks and spoke for uh, about an hour and a half to see who would work. And this was on a, a Wednesday. And uh, during the discussion, he he convinced me to walk in the next uh, day to a Lakewood meeting, which was held then in Jackson. And uh, I told him, okay, he met me uh, somewhere. We, we came together. And I walked in. There were about 30 people. And most of them, either I knew by name or I knew by face. But uh, I knew a lot of people over there, which was uh, highly embarrassing for me. If uh, there was a hole to dig myself into, I would have dug myself into that hole. Even though my wife, you know, I kept telling me that maybe you shouldn't go to a Lakewood meeting. You'll meet people. You'll be uncomfortable. I said... I said, at that point, it made no difference to me if it's going to happen that day or six months from now. Eventually, I'm going to have to walk into a liquid meeting. I can't keep running out of town for for meetings. And uh, I have to say, uh, considering everything, the people were more than welcoming and trying to make me feel comfortable coming into the meeting the way I was. And, uh, I, uh, the next day was a Friday and, uh, Harvey spoke, my sponsor, I think it's the only time he went to me and did he actually sit next to me because he was afraid I would bolt from what Harvey was saying. And being that it was a Friday, we came home, we packed and I went to JSS, which, uh, was extremely overwhelming to be uh, there were a lot of people there I've said this before but there's uh, one person that keeps reminding me and saying that I look like a deer in the headlights uh, other people told me like I was ready to really really shoot the world if I had a god I was probably with to God postal that's how upset that I, I looked at JSS but Whatever I looked on the outside, something was taking place on the inside. There was sort of a, a change coming over me. Uh, on the way home, we had to get home uh, pretty, uh, with a tight schedule because I had therapy that day. I did start going to therapy, even though I wasn't going to meetings. That much I, I was able to pull off, and I went to therapy. But my therapist, the uh, realized that uh, I was stonewalling him tremendously. I would not open up. I would not uh, discuss much with him. I uh, kept lot in, in myself as I did all the years. And, uh, but on the way home, I told my wife, and again, I don't know what made me have that uh, revelation, but I said, you know, we are stuck in this for life it's not like I'm going to go for a year or two. I'm cured. I'm going to walk out. If I don't keep going to meetings, I'm going to lose everything I gain. And I have to keep going to meetings and keep up with the fellowship and keep up with the program and work my steps and all that. And, uh, I came into the therapist and for 45 minutes, he didn't get in the word. I just spoke for 45 minutes and I really made myself vulnerable, I uh, uh, bar- uh, barred myself completely, and he told me that he really thought it would take him a year to get me to open up. And he was very surprised that I did. And uh, I started the, company, uh, the program on a regular basis. I was advised for the 90 and 90, I did, I did that. I decided afterwards just to keep continuing. There were times that my wife uh, told me in the morning, you know, we went to a wedding last night, you got home late, you're tired, maybe you'll skip the meeting. And I, and I used to answer, I don't want to make you feel bad but, uh, or trigger you or uh, bring up any bad memories. But trust me, if I knew somebody wanted to act out with me, I would be there, no matter how tired I was. And uh, I uh, <coughs> excuse me. I uh, told her that I have to t- treat my program the way I treated my acting out. Nothing stands in my way. Uh, and uh, I kept going to my meetings. And as time went on, I realized that as much as I thought God hated me, You know, I look back, you know, there were at least twice I remember going acting out within the last 15 years. I could have been arrested. And uh, both times I was on my way and I changed my mind. And uh, one time there was a raid, another time somebody died there, and the place was swamped with cops. And uh, people got in trouble. And uh, I was. Thank God, not there, and I did not get into trouble, and uh, my name did not appear in the paper, and uh, that was God watching out for me. And if I thought hard enough, I saw how many times God was there for me, and uh, you know, I started working my steps with my sponsor, and I remember the third step, he took me into a back room in Jackson, had the lights off, and and. Told me to think, and that when I'm ready, I should come out. And I actually felt something come into me that was helping me change. The uh, my relationship with my children is much different today. Uh, my relationship with my wife is much different today. I uh, even uh, my mother, who. Uh, Was alive the first two years I was in program. The second year, she once called my wife out of the blue and asked her if I'm taking medicine because I'm a different person. And my wife just told her very nicely, he's not taking medicine, but he is working on himself. And she said, it's so much easier to deal with him and such a pleasure to talk to him, which she admitted she used to dread at times because I would fly off the handle. If you told me anything I didn't like, I would let you know that I didn't like it. And not in a nice way. But with the help of this program, I learned how to deal with my feelings and deal with life in general, which I never really knew how to do before program. Uh, I was now working when I came into the program, I was officially retired already. And a few months afterwards I came in, in April, and, uh, I believe, uh, in September I was offered a job. I took it and, uh, I don't remember saying once all time I'm, I'm ready to quit, which I used to do right away in other jobs. I would be there a few months and, uh, it's not working out. I'm ready to walk out, but it's not nice to walk out, but I would make sure. No matter how I lasted, eventually they had to get rid of me because that's what I beat down with what I wanted. I'm not saying every day is rosy at work, but uh, I learned how to deal with, with the problems that I had and I learned how to, to handle it. Uh, just I'll try to explain quickly, I was uh, at my job for uh, a few months and uh, you have a back door and somebody tried to come in the back door And I uh, told him, you cannot use our back door. We're not a gateway into the store. And he tried pushing his way in. And I just stood there nicely. And I said, no, you can't. Even though his father worked in the same building as us in a different store, he didn't identify just my father works here. I said, I'm sorry. I don't walk into your father's back door. You cannot walk into my back door. And as calmly as I'm saying it now, I said it then but I called my boss just to let him know that w- what happened. And he looked at the video and he said, I cannot believe how calmly you handled the whole thing. You didn't look like you raised your voice. You didn't look like you were angry. You were just talking in a very, very calm manner said it was him. He would deck the person. And, uh, it's just one example of what I've become. Another one is that, uh, uh, am for program, one of my sons called and they answered the phone and usually they, you know, talk to me for about 30 seconds. And then they asked for my wife, talk to her. And I said, uh, you know, your mother's not home now. She said it's okay. I can talk to you. And we had a very nice conversation and, uh, it's things like that, that, uh, have made my life really much better, much more manageable and much easier to, to live with. And, uh, today I am a much different person. I, uh, take things with as much serenity as I can. And one of the biggest things I learned is, uh, Whenever uh, an authority figure used to tell me I did something wrong or or change it, it was always you were out to get me or you don't know what you're talking about. I have to give a shout out to my sponsor. He never makes me feel less than ever talks to me in a judgmental way. He just tells me this is his ESH and this is what I should do and uh, if I do it, fine. If not, he never said in these words, but I always knew that if I fall flat on my face, he would be dead, I'll be picked up the pieces. And I'm very grateful for that, and I'm grateful just for the fact that I could never stick with anything, and it's uh, five years and I have the same sponsor, and I'm very grateful for something like that. I'm grateful to a lot of people in the fellowship. Uh, they don't look at me as uh, somebody too old to talk to. They, they talk to me one-on-one as they would talk to any one of their peers and I very
0: much appreciate that thank you for letting me share I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve the best source for experience, strength and hope for SA members please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve